Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete Wright. Hello, Nikki Kinzer. Who uh, apparently I go to concerts with, and I don't remember them. Yeah, I don't know why you would uh, why you would bring that up, like telling Sorry. me. Remember, like 15 years ago, we went to a Nickel Creek concert, and I said yes, and then you say I don't. I don't remember <laughs> it. <laughs> Outstanding. Well, that's how we start the show. My memory of our friendship is so much stronger than yours. That's fine. It's fine. (laughs) We'll just move on. (laughs) I do remember. Wait a minute, though. I do remember us going to Spelling Bee. Do you remember that? I never went to that. Yes, you did. The play? No. Yes. I've never seen it. I have never seen that. Oh, my God. That is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you didn't go. Do you want to continue to pile on? Okay, never mind. Let's just I mean, do you have any other things you did with other people? that you'd like to talk about we're doing great did we ever take did we ever go to a play together ever i don't think so all right never mind (laughs) (laughs) it must have been somebody else oh it was somebody else uh, well, we have a great show today. Okay, um, great. We're, we're still in the middle of our, of our uh, self-compassion and ADHD series. And today we have somebody who I've just, it's been a long time uh, since we've talked to her. It's Casey Dixon. She's back. She's going to be talking to us about uh, uh, self-compassion. You know, her her entire uh, sort of mission is on like high, helping high achieving as a, as a coach, an ADHD coach. She helps high, high achieving people. And, and I'm really interested to hear uh, her experience talking about self-compassion, ADHD and in high achievers. And uh, are, are, is is self-compassion, challenges with self-compassion, the great equalizer we shall see today. But before we do that, head over to Take Control ADHD to get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list right on the homepage and we'll send you an email with the latest episode each week. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But to really connect with us, join us at the ADHD Discord community. It's super easy to jump into the general community chat channel. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord and you'll be whisked over to the general invitation page and log in. If you are looking for a little bit more, particularly if this show has ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship with ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few bucks a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. You can even join us for the live streams of this very show. And uh, that would allow you to hear Pete and Nikki planning his son's college trip through Eugene. Yes. So that's fun. Sorry to inflict our scheduling on you all, uh, but it's really great to be able to have uh, members. And don't forget, at the end of every show, there's a member section, members only, where we get to ask some questions uh, from you in the chat room directly to our guest. And that is takes us to Casey Dixon. So, but first we have a couple of announcements. Nikki. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We're, so we're, we're it's the end of tax season about. It is. It's almost it's almost near. So we're heading into our final tax study hall sessions for 2023. Tax day is in the US is next Tuesday, April 18th, and we will have one more round of our weekend study halls this Saturday and Sunday. And then we will be offering extra study hall times next Monday and Tuesday for anyone who needs some extra accountability for that final push to get their taxes turned in before the deadline. Uh, You can find out the times for these tax study halls on our social media, inside our weekly newsletter, 
our Patreon feed and also on Discord. And and GPS. GPS enrollment. Yes. So registration to join the GPS monthly membership program is going on right now. If you feel like you've tried everything to wrangle your schedule and nothing seems to work, maybe it's time to turn on GPS. Oh, look at that. That's so clever. Isn't that great? That's so clever. Uh, (laughs) This is a great opportunity you will not want to miss. Enrollment only opens three times a year. So the next enrollment won't open until the fall. The deadline to enroll is April 29th. That's only two weeks away from the date that this airs. So there's not a lot of time left. If you're listening to this after the enrollment deadline, I would still encourage you to head over to our website and put your name on the waiting list. People on our wait list always receive priority for enrollment and get early access to sign up. So you can learn more about GPS and get signed up at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Casey Dixon is a respected life coach with a unique focus on science-based, innovative, collaborative coaching and advising for high achievers with ADHD or executive function challenges. She joins us today to share her experience working with those high achievers as a coach through their own self-compassion challenges. Casey, welcome back to the ADHD podcast. Hello. It's amazing to be here again. <laughs> it's amazing. Hello. Oh. Oh. Well, we're so excited to have you. We've been we've been talking about self-compassion and ADHD for a number of weeks now and it seems to really be yeah. hitting home for for folks, right? These these conversations have have really made an impact. But um you know, I I think for so many of us we we talk about people who have the lack of self-compassion is a real limiting factor for them and just how they relate to the world. And so we're curious, like, if you see that as something that's limiting you from becoming a high achiever, does that mean high achievers have it all <laughs> locked down? Or, or if you've already achieved, are you fine? Do you not really have yeah, to worry about this I, stuff? I can see you're setting me up there with the question. Obviously, <laughs> was that nice? That was nice. Now you can hit it out of the park. This you is knocked it out of you. there. Obviously, that's not the case. Um, a lot of the high, well, all of the high achievers that I work with who have ADHD as part of their package, um, have issues with low self-compassion. Um, so it's kind of counterintuitive because you would think that if they're able to produce and to get through school and get to some level of high achievement that they've already mastered this, um, self-compassion because what we've learned and are continuing to learn more about is that self-compassion um, does lead greater self-compassion, does lead to greater productivity. So in some regards, my clients have overcome their low self-compassion when they are forced into an urgent or s- sort of high pressure situation where they can kind of ignore their feelings. So they're using other things to get started rather than how they feel about things. It's later on when the self-compassion comes back to bite them um, and they do a lot of self-scrutiny. So yeah, it's a complicated knot, but people who are really high achievers tend to be highly driven, uh, very ambitious, and they're constantly scrutinizing themselves for their performance. And so that can lead to very low self-compassion. It's interesting. Can you explain a little bit more by what you mean 
by taking the emotion out. So they're under some kind of deadline or whatever it is that they're doing. And I know you work with a lot of lawyers, for example. So I can see if somebody is going to trial or whatever that pressure is and the deadlines are real, right? You can't push the trial date. Um, what what do you mean by that, that they can take the emotion? So one out of the of things it? that happens with self-compassion is that we see that something is going wrong. Somebody is suffering whether it's another person or yourself. And you have this idea of, oh, I'm going to be kind and help that person to understand what's going on or fix, help them to fix this problem. That's what compassion means. But when you are being not kind and not understanding and not helpful to yourself when something goes wrong, that's low self-compassion. And so if you're heading into, let's say you have to write a legal brief, which is not an easy thing to do. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have to try mm-hmm. it. But, right. um, and you've noticed that before when you've tried that, you were, didn't quite do as well as you thought you should have, quote unquote should. Um, you were really up against the deadline or you missed a deadline. You got some negative feedback from your performance. So there's past emotional things. You also have present emotional things like, um, I always have to work all nighters to get briefs done and I really don't want to do that. Or the last, you know, that I don't feel good about this. It feels like an onerous task. I don't like writing. It makes me feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, So those are past feelings and present feelings. Those two combined can be a very powerful cause for avoidance of actually writing. Like that's a recipe for me going into ostrich mode. It absolutely is. And I think one of the things that our clients are really adept at um, when you're a high achiever with ADHD is using avoidance coping mechanisms. Um, the, The thing that overpowers that avoidance are the other motivators, the other key motivators. So you have this ball of avoidance. You're like, oh, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. But then urgency walks into the room and takes over and says, you don't have a choice, man, because this is due tomorrow morning. Or other people walk into the room and they're like, okay, let's go. We're going to do this, which is another reason why co-working works so well for our clients. Um, Or you're like, wow, there's a new twist to this brief. Something interesting just came down. I got an email from the um, other attorneys on this case and they're like, oh, New twist, now interest, high interest has walked into the room. Dixon Life Coaching, we call that the ADHD trifecta. Those are the three things that motivate people with ADHD, right? Urgency, interest, and other people. So those things can overpower or at least battle against this ball of avoidance or ostriching, as you called it, so that you can kind of get started. Um, So that's how you put away that low self-compassion to get things done. And high achievers are experts at using high urgency and high interest and other people to get things done. Because in the avoidance piece, when they're in avoidance, they're also incredibly difficult or incredibly hard on themselves, right? And so there's so much guilt and shame wrapped around that. So with the urgency and the people and the interest that what you're saying is that if you have those three things together, it can, it can actually get you moving, then it can actually initiate that action. 
does it actually dampen the feelings of of the lack of self-compassion? You said something earlier that that really triggered me, which was that um, uh, that this, those sorts of self-doubt, self-compassion issues will bite them later. And I'm curious how that manifests yeah, yeah. in this conversation. Yeah. So the, the ADHD trifecta stuff, urgency, other people, interest, walks into the room, into your brain, your dopamine is all lit up and it floods your prefrontal cortex. And now you're able to focus and get down to work and write and push those emotional, regulate your emotions a little bit more, push them aside. And then later they're going to come back out and say, wow, you did it again. You did it at the last minute. You relied on other people. You couldn't get started the way you intended to get started. Why can't you ever? Why do you always? And so this is that very low self-compassionate voice that often uses what I call absolute language, right? You always, you never, you can't. Um, that comes back when that person is reflecting on their behavior and the problem is it becomes a rehearsed script. So we rehearse that over and over and over and over and over again. That becomes part of our own play, our own performance, our own identity, our own role in the world. So that the next time I have to write a brief, oh, here it comes again. That same voice that's not compassionate is telling you, you can't, you never, you won't, you don't. And then you have to really overpower it again by using urgency and other people, et cetera. And that can backfire, right? Because it creates stress and, <laughs> and burnout. And burnout. Is, we were talking which about was what you yeah. were talking about the last yeah, time you were exactly. here, right? So yeah. Yeah. There's not a little bit of this that feels like, oh, Pete, the call is coming from inside the house. Like it's like you're here. It's like you're in my living room talking <laughs> to me. I, uh, I feel like the, the the biggest challenge for me being bitten on the back end of these projects that I've waited to the last minute and I've used adrenaline to get, um, you know, to get myself through a given project and the urgency, interest in other people. And it's I, I always have those feelings. Again, absolutes. Always. Right. I always have those feelings because yeah. I cannot remember an experience of not having those feelings. But once the project is done, the release of like freedom that comes from being finished with a with a hard task mm -hmm. is almost just enough to let me forget that I had trouble in the first place. Right. So it's a self-perpetuating cycle in that my behavior doesn't change. Oh, and it's as if I come to rely on urgency, interest in other people as the coping strategy to do important things and hard things when I know I'm not doing them well and I know I'm not doing them emotionally sort of healthily. Does that make sense? Is that such a beautiful um, point? Because what happens is that you know, you've now proven to yourself once again that you need to rely on that stuff, which means you've taken mm -hmm. away your sense of agency and autonomy and your own ability to do things that you intend to do in the way that you intend to do them, which is another way of not being compassionate to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you're saying that, hey, you can't do it without those things. And so I intentionally whether I'm conscious of it or not, as an adult with ADHD, creating chaos and urgency and this relying on adrenaline and doing all-nighters and pushing aside my self-care and beating myself up because those have become the things that I think work. 
Yes. Well, I think they work because they've demonstrated to work at a at a certain level of performance and satisfaction. Of stress, though, right? right? right. Like at the expense of so much stress. So it feels like to me, when you can look at that and say, okay, we know that these things work and they can help us. There's a level there, I think, of acceptance and self-compassion also that says, okay, I need other people to help me get started. Like, that's okay. Like, that's okay to know that about yourself, right? So if there's a... um, a compassionate way to say, all right, I know that this is how I work best. And I really do want to do some body doubling, or I want to work with coworkers on this, um, you know, to be able to accept that in a loving way and not feel bad about it. Like you can incorporate that into your plan and not right. Like, and, and be okay with that. Cause you know, it's kind of like the, I don't want to rely on timers. But if you have ADHD, you kind of have to rely on timers, <laughs> yes. right? Like, I don't want to rely on them either. I just have to have right? my... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But so I, it feels... Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that in order to to talk about this, I think there's a couple of things. One is being really intentional about how you use your motivators, right? Yes, mm. I sometimes I need to rely on other people to get myself motivated to do a task, especially an onerous or boring task that Mm -hmm. doesn't have a deadline. And it seems like I'm not really sure what it looks like when it's finished, et cetera, et cetera. Um, You know, you had mentioned taxes. That's not an easy thing for most people to do because it's not exciting. (laughs) And it's a lot of yucky paperwork. So when you have something that you need a little extra motivation for, then you can try to use the ADHD trifecta stuff, right? The urgency, the other people and the interest in intentional small ways that are distributed rather than this big tidal wave of, oh my God, they're due tomorrow. And I'm a horrible person because once again, as always, here I go. go." And then I'm now beating myself up and going down that script. So that's one piece of it. Um, I think the other piece is just, you were saying like accepting who you are and how you work best. Um, You don't always, how I work best is not always the same, right? It depends on the context that I'm in, the kind of thing I'm trying to accomplish. And so acknowledging that in this situation, these are the supports that I have learned that I need to rely on. Congratulations, me. That's a loving, mm-hmm. kind way of saying the same thing. Like, oh, I need to use other people to get things done or a horrible person, right. blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I think it's also about accepting your ADHD in a really deep way. Um, and not just saying, well, yeah, I have ADHD, but I'm going to mask that and skirt around that and pretend like I can go through my day like a person who does not have ADHD. Wouldn't that be great? And then by the end of the day, because that doesn't work, you have mm-hmm. more ammunition to put in your low self-compassion bunker. That's true. Yeah. But again, that's that's part of the self-reinforcement, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like here I am just, again, thinking about myself. Um, but that that space, the liminal space between completing a project and right before the self-compassion <laughs> like the tragedy of the self-compassion gap sets in is a really amazing place mm-hmm. because it allows me to pretend that I'm a guy without ADHD. Right. 
right? For just a little bit, I kind of get to feel what that's like. Mm -hmm. And that's the easiest, to me, that is demonstrably the easiest way to get there is to feel real bad for a little while and then feel real good for a little while. And then it goes back into the same cycle. Yeah. And this is, I think, where um, the high achievers that I work with and other people who are, are, are you know, very um, thoughtful about the, how they approach the world, right? How high achievers tend to be really driven. They have an idea about what they want to get from their lives. They try to go out and they get it. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you are self-reflective, like you just were right now, Pete, whether you're a high achiever or not, that can be a place of negotiation, right? So you can always prove to yourself that this is the only way that this works. I had a client tell me that the only way that she can get done anything for her, she's a professor, for her client, for her students, she can't get her grading done unless she does it in the middle of the night, unless she sacrifices an entire several nights of sleep. Now, you and I know, we all know that that's not a healthy way of approaching her job. Right. And she knows right. that too intellectually, but she can prove it to herself. That's the only way she's been able to get it done. Do it. In the That's past. what she believes. Right. So when she's working, and this is where coaching, I think, can be a huge tool, whether it's in a group or one-on-one, -on -one, to we have to prove to her big, giant, fast thinking brain that's really adept at negotiating in the moment, like, hey, that's the only way mm -hmm. I can do this, that there are other ways that mm -hmm. she also has the capacity of doing this in a different way that she hasn't maybe been able to do in the past. And then we can start to change that internal script into one that is more self-caring and self-compassionate. Sure. Um, I actually have a quote from her that I wanted to read because yes. it talks a little bit about, she talks a lot about accepting her ADHD and that has been a long road. Um, so she she wrote this and I, I printed out because I was like this, she just wrote this yesterday. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is perfect. But um, she said, at first I thought accepting my ADHD was about learning all I could and then coming up with compensatory strategies. So that's why people call coaches, right? I want strategies right. and tactics and I need to learn more about it. Next, I realized that I have a lot more, that I had to have a lot more compassion for myself because medication and supports cannot fix all day, all the time, non-ADHD functioning. Now I feel like I'm having to re-examine what it really means to accept my ADHD self, to not be ashamed, to quit masking, to start making major shifts in my life, to actually like and love all of me and truly honor that in how I choose to live so that it's okay for my ADHD to show up. Well, wow. I know, right? Okay. <laughs> it was like, wow, that just came through in our group yesterday. And I think that's exactly the transformation wow. that working yes. with somebody who can hold a judgment free space and be in a group with other people who are struggling with similar things can provide a lot more than just compensatory tactics and strategies. And the cool part about that is that this compassion that she's now discovering for herself will also lead to greater productivity and less mm -hmm. procrastination. So it becomes this sort of snowball effect of not only do I love who I am and I bring my whole self to every situation with kindness and asking how I can help and support myself, but I'm also getting more done now. 
So I'm really starting to change that script um, in a really deep, transformative way. Well, kudos to you. I can imagine that that was a wonderful thing to witness. Yeah. Right. I mean, because that's what we look for is, is that acceptance. And, uh, and, and that was beautifully written. What a testament of the work that she's been doing too, you know, on herself and really taking a deep dive in what this means and how she wants to live. I don't know this woman, but I like, I get, I get it. I see what she's, what she's doing. It's beautiful. You know, I, I have to just say what I hear when I hear her talk about that and it, all the greatest wishes for her success and that awareness is huge. And also what I am hearing is, uh, man, it is just a lot of work. Like it is a high calorie burn living with ADHD. Yeah. And it is it like I hear her say that and I realize, yeah, I relate to so much of that and I'm still exhausted. Yeah. So right, every day, this is where I absolutely it's it's an acknowledgement that, yes, living with ADHD and ex, with high expectations of what you want your life to look like yeah. is exhausting, can be exhausting. So this is also part of that acceptance. It's like, OK, I see that suffering. I see that exhaustion. I, I can do that for my clients. Right. I'm compassionate mm-hmm. towards them. But I also need to sort of say, okay, how can you acknowledge that in yourself and approach Mm -hmm. yourself with a huge amount of self-compassion? How can I care about myself in this, knowing that I'm exhausted? How can Mm -hmm. I help myself knowing that this is a huge lift for me? What can I do to support myself knowing that fully and accepting that awareness that living life with ADHD takes extra special intentionality and intent, you know, and attention um, in order to do it in a way that you can thrive and not be exhausted all the time. Yeah, right. And and how do I make it a practice that I don't forget every day, right? right? Like, it's so easy to just let go of that stuff and, and not make it something that I, I can't, I, I can't build a habit out of loving myself because I naturally, when I'm in that trough of despair, don't love myself. Right. Right. And so I'm going to just challenge that, like, take out Please. the absolute word, which mm-hmm. is I can't build a habit of loving myself because you absolutely can build a habit of loving yourself, but it's just like building any other habit when you have ADHD. You have to sort of focus on that and figure out, okay, well, how do I incorporate this new habit into my life and make sure that I follow through with it. And that's where the support of other people, again, is mm-hmm. going to be really, really important. Um, so we can, I'm sure you've had tons of episodes on here about how to build a habit when you have ADHD. Self-compassion mm-hmm. can be one of those. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a different kind of exhaustion at the end of the day when you put self-compassion compared to putting shame mm-hmm. and beating yourself up. So you can still be exhausted, but do it in a, but, but, but you're, you're caring for yourself. That's different. It just yeah. feels different. Mm-hmm. I, I would rather be exhausted from the work and from the effort that I put into doing a good job than be bone weary by being broken down by my own shame. Yeah. Wow. Right. That's such right. a great distinction. Yeah. That's really, really important. And, you know, cognitively, emotionally, physically, the end of the day might not be the best time to have a self-review session. 
Right, right. <laughs> on your craziest day. Yeah, yeah. we're all worn out. Yeah. And we know that, you know, ADHD rages when your energy is low. And you're tired, you're hungry, you haven't exercised. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, all of those things, right, yeah. come into play. So it might be time to learn how to say, okay, I'm not going to necessarily engage in self-compassionate, loving, caring, but I'm not going to engage in that shame habit, which is also a habit mm-hmm. either. I'm going to find something else to do. And then in the morning when I'm fresh or whenever your best time for your cognitive awareness is, I'm going to practice a little mindfulness, which we also know can help aid with self-compassion and then do some intentional self-loving. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, could be journaling or mirroring what you're saying to yourself or reframing. And these are things that um, coaches also are really adept at and can help you to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you meet with a coach regularly, whether it's in a group or one-on-one, um, you start to hear the coach's voice in your mind, helping you to replace that script. And the coach's voice, if you were, you know, have a coach that's adept at working with people with ADHD, is going to be a non-judgmental voice that will be more compassionate um, and not in a fluffy sort of way, right? This is not about sure. sort of, oh, right. let's just make you feel better by false cheerleading. Mm-hmm. It's much more about let's, you know, look at the negative self-criticism, the negative feelings, and I'm going to mirror them back to you and say, okay, I see that you're suffering. What is it that we can do to help? I have a question around burnout because I kind of want to go, I want to connect us back to when you were here last. And one of the things that I really took away from our conversation, and I actually talked to my own clients about, and I reference you being on the show, talking about it, is that with burnout, it is, you have to kind of take a step back and reflect and, and what do you let go? Like what has to change in your life? Because it's not working the way it is currently. And I know with a lot of high achievers, they do have a lot of work. And sometimes that work is just not, it it can't be done in a day. They might want it to be, but it can't be. So I'm curious about that that connection between self compassion and burnout. What 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 would you talk? How would you talk to a client or coach a client who is obviously experiencing this and also feeling really bad about it because they feel like they should be able to do everything? Yeah, I mean, it de- obviously, when you're coaching, it depends right. on the client and they're setting the agenda. I'm not, but <laughs> if I were mm-hmm. to say, you know, I'm noticing that you're experiencing burnout or the symptoms of burnout, right? I feel overwhelmed. Somebody's going to discover that I'm not getting everything done every day. And I, I'm putting a mask on and I'm exhausted all the time and I'm forgetting to eat, sleep, breathe, or move. Um, I'm putting myself second to the workload. And then we take a look at the workload and we're like, wow, (laughs) there's there's never going to get finished. And so you've set yourself self up for this failure, really. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a couple ways of approaching that. One is to get that to-do list cut down to size, right? Which means making trade-offs, looking at things that you can delegate or delete or do later, 
or diminish the size or those scope. four D's. Uh, five D's. I got five D's. Or five now. D's. Yeah. And five. the first one is disappoint, right? So can right. That's right. I love that one. Disappoint. Who can I disappoint today and still feel okay mm-hmm. about myself and my life? Um, and it's okay. We all have to disappoint people in order to function as human beings um, and can put ourselves back in the driver's seat. But the other thing is what being sort of embracing the counterintuitive, which means it's counterintuitive for us to believe that we don't just tell ourselves, work harder, be more efficient, get more done when you have that overwhelming to-do list. It that backfires. We know that doesn't work. I mean, we have tricks and tips. Yeah, you can make yourself more efficient, but ultimately you have to sort of say, okay, I got to accept the reality and not just live in wishful thinking land of time and space and physical, cognitive and emotional capacity and being a human being. (laughs) I got to embrace all that stuff and give myself some compassion. And again, counterintuitively, the more you do that, the least, um, the less inefficient you will be, the less Mm -hmm. your productivity will be hampered by those negative emotions that we talked about. So we kind of have to hit it from both ends. You know, let's look at the doodle list and see what we can do. And let's look at how you're treating yourself and see if we can transform that. It makes me want to go into my to-do list and actually create a tag called disappoint yes. and tag tasks to remind yeah, myself yeah, this yeah. is something that I could give yeah. uh, and uh, that's, I could give away in my life. That's one of the things I know when Nikki and I were at the conference um, in the International ADHD Conference in November, um, somebody after my talk on burnout stood up and said, oh my gosh, I have this amazing to-do list and I'm never going to get a handle on it. And I said, I, I challenge everybody in here to go home and look at their to-do list and take 20% of the stuff off of it. Just take Mm -hmm. it off and see what happens in your life. Now, maybe you don't get to 20%, but if I ask you to do 20% and you take off 5%, then you've made some improvement, right? We're talking about marginal improvement. And then because you're being self-compassionate, give yourself um, a nice externalized and intentional voice that says, I have made a difference in my life today by caring for myself. So self-compassion needs to be said or written or externalized just like everything else, right? Mm-hmm. We, we have timers and sticky notes and lists and alarms and other people to help us when we have ADHD. Self-compassion also needs to get out of your head and into the external world in order for it to have an impact. So like you said, Pete, you don't just forget next time. <laughs> Right. That you've right. actually yeah. achieved something. You will. You will. Yes. Like everything I hear, my, my, it's like my wife reflects often like how great it is to have the experience of having given birth, knowing that people <laughs> say it was really hard, but that she has no memory of it. Yes. Like it's just gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, why don't I get that? Isn't there a hormone for ADHD like that? I would love that. <laughs> well, one of the things I have to say, when you talked about the disappointment before, it goes, it, it, it connects also with people pleasing and boundaries and allowing yourself to disappoint. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you were talking about that before, um, 
my daughter, it was interesting. She was invited to go on a trip with a friend and it was to Mexico. So we got her a passport, everything, right? Um, and getting ready, ready for her to go. And about two weeks before the, the vacation, she really didn't want to go. Uh, she had a lot of social anxiety. She didn't want to go to another country with a family that wasn't us. It was somebody else's family. Um, and she just had a lot of anxiety and she was really just, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and I actually, I thought of that disappointment and I thought, you know what, if this isn't right for you, then I think it's okay to disappoint your friend Yeah, and let them, let them know you can't go. And Mm -hmm. they're not going to understand. They're probably going to be mad Mm -hmm. and they're going to be disappointed and that's okay. But you're doing what you need to do for yourself. And that is more important than making this person mad because you don't want to be in another country for 10 days and not be able to come home. Right. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think (laughs) if we look at that really great example of through a a lens of self-compassion, Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that you had to do as her mom is to notice that she was suffering rather than yeah. getting angry or frustrated because, man, we did all that stuff. You know, we right. got you a passport, we made plans, we made a packing list, we talked to the other parents about what you were going to do there, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what you're recognizing as a compassionate human being is that your daughter in that moment was suffering in a big way. Mm-hmm. And with deep emotions, you know, about whether she can handle this, what does she want, making choices, disappointing her friend, disappointing herself, disappointing mm-hmm. you. Um, and so you're stepping in there with a caring, helpful voice, right? I care about mm-hmm. you. I want to help you in this situation rather than a frustrated voice. Right. She's probably being frustrated with herself in that moment. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. a lack of compassion for herself. So I think it's important for you as her parent, and this is something that coaches can also do with their clients and people can do with themselves is you mirror back what you're witnessing, right? I'm Mm -hmm. witnessing you even considering going to Mexico, another country for 10 days with a friend was a very courageous consideration. We've walked through all of the things that you needed to do there, which is an incredible amount of self-awareness and planning and organization and follow through. And then you realized you weren't ready, which is a great self-awareness. And then you were able to advocate for yourself by saying, Hey mom, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm ready for this. Now you have to go through some difficult conversations to do what's right for you in the world. That is a boost rather than a detriment to her depending on how you frame it. Well, and it all comes back to you, Casey, talking about disappointment. (laughs) Seriously, I thought about it when we were talking about it. I'm like, that conversation was so important to just to give yourself the permission. It's okay to disappoint other people. And this also goes back to our conversation about burnout. And one of the things that I talk with my clients is they, they don't really especially the really driven high achiever types, they don't really like things to be okay or to have permission. They want to be Mm -hmm. hyper responsible. They want to be at their best game all the time. They want to be making powerful choices that advance the ball down the field. So rather than framing it as it's okay and you have permission to disappoint, I frame it as it's your responsibility to make choices that disappoint other people. 
Because if you don't, that ball is not going to advance. You're not going to get down any further down the field. You're going to be stuck, which is what you're experiencing right now. So you have to take it and do it. It's part of it. It's part of it. Yep. Yeah. It's intentionality. Right. It gets back to something that I was I was going to ask earlier, and I sort of refrained, but I think this this kind of leads into the answer to this question, which is when you see people who come in who are fixed in their in their belief that the um, the sort of uh, binge starve uh, productivity cycle is okay for them, that that's how they get things done. And they're so busy and so high performance that change is not an option, Mm -hmm. right? They're fixed in that belief system that things are not an option. But my, my, uh, my sense is they probably can't sort of see that it's that exact system that is getting in the way of them actually feeling better about the world they live in. Right. And I think is true for for anybody at any level of what we call achievement, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing this. I'm fixed in wh- how I go about things, and so far it's working okay. So yeah. they can prove, like you said, they can prove to themselves that that works. But what they don't realize yet is that they're only working at a sixty five percent of their true capacity, and even though they've reached great levels of success they can do even more and live a more satisfied life and still take care of themselves and their friends Mm -hmm. and their families, um, literally living longer. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. I had a client one time and I talk about her a lot, but it was, you know, she was um, coaching with me and she's a lawyer and in big law with, which is in itself crazy busy and always overwhelming and stressful. Um, but she's like, well, it's not like this job is killing me. And I said, okay, well, let's take a look at how many times you were in the <laughs> hospital this year. Yeah. She's yeah. like, oh, that's right. I was in the hospital three times this year with serious problems. Uh, and I'm like, that's, yes. you know, what, what's going on there? And she's like, well, to meet my billable hours, I'm not eating. I'm not sleeping. I'm not spending time with my kids. I'm constantly stressed out. I knew I wasn't feeling well, but I didn't have time to go to the doctor until it becomes, you know, I'm at the ER now. So through really thinking about and readjusting her mindset to one of self-compassion, the crazy thing is that her billable hours went up by 150% without, because we told her to reduce her billable hours. Right. So her firm and she and I came to an agreement where we were going to say, okay, you don't have to do 2,000 billable hours this year. We're only going to aim for 1,700. Meanwhile, she was at about 1,700. She could never get to 2,000. Then all of a sudden, she's at like 2,200. And I'm like, wait, what wow. is going on? It's, <laughs> so this is that counterintuitive nature of flipping that script and how powerful now this one example but how powerful it can be to really really embrace the self-compassion habit wow thank you so much yeah this has been such a great addition to our series and your point of view and it's wonderful thank you so much for my pleasure i absolutely love it uh, tell us a little bit about what you're working on and where people can learn more about you and your coaching. Yeah. So um, DixonLifeCoaching.com, all of it's there, D-I-X-O-N LifeCoaching.com. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about um, is that we're relaunching our course. It's called Live Well ADHD, which is a six module um, online part with a 
160 page book, workbook, and it has drop-in accountability calls three times a week, but we're going to relaunch it so that it includes a um, live six-week training program. Um, mm-hmm. so that people who have ADHD who might not find it so easy to get through an online course without the live pieces have even more support. So um, I know that that this is, we're talking here in April, one of those will be starting in April, but we'll be doing that three times a year. So I'm really excited about that. Um, and also, of course, we're running the Focus Lawyer Groups, um, the Focus Professor Groups, and also Performance Powerhouse, which is group coaching for people who are not lawyers and professors, but are high achieving, basically knowledge workers with ADHD, people who use their brain and their knowledge at work. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, one-on-one coaching. And now we're up to seven team coaches on the Dixon Lake oh. coaching team. So I'm really excited. Yeah. About 17? Is that what you said? Seven. Seven. Oh, I was going to say, wow, you yeah, added a lot so. of people since the last time we talked. <laughs> it was seven for a while, but it's an w- amazing group of really powerful coaches who all bring something to the table. You have an amazing group. Yeah. And, and uh, I got to see one of them speak about uh, the chronic illness and pain and ADHD is really good. Yeah. 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 We're starting to do a lot of specialized programming. We run a chronic illness group three times a year um, when you have chronic illness and ADHD. And, you know, uh, we have a planning power up sort of intensive class that we run three times a year. So there's all sorts of stuff going on there. And they can also just reach out to us at info at Dixon Life Coaching with any questions and we'll help you out. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, link in the show notes. As always, thank you, Casey. You're fantastic. We appreciate you anytime you come Thanks, Pete. Uh, to talk to us. But and as Nikki said, such a great, great perspective for this series. Just yeah. really perfect and timely. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Uh, and as for the rest of you, we appreciate you downloading and listening to this show for sure. Thank you for your time and your attention. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to this conversation, head over to the Show Talk channel. That's where we'll be over in our Discord server. You can join us right there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Casey Dixon and Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Thank you.